All right. Well, today we are starting a brand new series that we are genuinely excited about. This has been something that's been in the works for quite some time now. And so we're really eager to jump into this. And so for the next seven weeks, we are going to be digging into a series that is titled, This Is Us. Okay? This Is Us. Now, for those that may not be aware, although I know most of you are, um, we are taking this title from a very popular TV show that is running right now that we felt brought a very interesting concept to light that we just wanted to dig into a little bit, something that kind of helped us see things in a new light. And so just quickly for those who maybe haven't seen the show, just real quick premise and background so you understand ultimately where we're headed here. This show is, is really centered around one single family. And what they do is they take a deep dive into uh, each of their particular lives and experiences. So they jump from character to character. They take us back and forth from past to present, all with the intention of showing the different journeys that each of them have taken and ultimately how they've gotten to this particular place in life, right? So they dig into tragedy. They dig into victories. They dig into just real life stuff, right? Now, if we're being honest, um, the show does have a knack for pulling at the heartstrings, right? It's very emotional. It's very dramatic. And yet, you know, the stories aren't really all that unfamiliar to us. They show real things. They show things like children having to deal with the loss of a father, like real stuff, right? Um, Parents having to deal with the loss of a child. How do you work your way through that one? They show a son who is in a desperate journey to find his identity, a daughter who is in a deep, dark battle with self-worth, another son who is in the throes of addiction, just deep, unsettled dysfunction that they bring to the forefront. But the real magic of the show, and, and really the reason I think it resonates with so many people all across the world, is because after you've heard and you've seen all of these stories and experiences, stories of, of struggle and stories of pain and stories of victories, at the end of that, all of a sudden that title pops up and you realize this is us. Like the, the story might be a little bit different. The characters are changed, but we're, we're kind of all making our way through these struggles, right? All making our way through pain, all making our way through triumph. Ultimately, this is us. And this is the concept that really hit us hard as we were thinking about the way in which we relate to the word of God, the way in which we approach scripture, because the most powerful part of the show is that immediately, like without hesitation, you find yourself relating to the different characters that it's digging into, right? You see yourself in that situation. It's one of those stories that, that has um, the ability to kind of put up a mirror in front of your face. So you have to look at yourself and, and what your approach is to life. And that's what we desperately want you to experience as you read the word of God that sometimes a mirror would just kind of pop up and you would realize, wait a second, this is, this is about me. Like, this is my struggle. This is my story. This is for me. I think one of the, the biggest issues that we run across when we dig into scripture is that we approach it in such a detached type of way. You know what I mean when I say that? It's, it's so detached. And so what happens is we grow in frustration because we can't seem to hit that connection point, 
We, we can't seem to connect to what we're reading. And so we'll go through the stories and we'll read about the characters and sometimes it intrigues us, other times not really, right? But in the end of things, we never take a moment to just see how we might fit into the picture. We're like desperately looking to take in all this information without stopping to realize how it might affect our lives. And so it ends up being this very surface level, this very shallow endeavor that we can just never seem to connect with. Let me give you just a real quick example of how I think this comes into play sometimes. A couple months ago, we did a series called One of the Twelve, and we spent several different weeks jumping into uh, a, a guy named Judas Iscariot. Now, as the title said, he was one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. So he was a man who spent countless hours traveling and working for the ministry of God. He was there. And yet, as many of us know, he would be the one that would go on to betray Christ, right? He was there for much of the ministry. He was thought to be a friend of Jesus, yet he would turn out to be the one that would single-handedly turn him over to his captors. He would go on to betray our savior, and if I'm being honest with you, I'm just being completely transparent. Even today, when I hear the name Judas, I kind of have like a visceral reaction to that. You know what I mean? Can you relate to that? Like we're disgusted by his actions. Like we're appalled at the thought of, of turning on our savior in that form and fashion. It repulses us. And yet what exactly makes Judas so different than us? What exactly in our lives points us to the fact that we're better than him? Do we really not think that we've betrayed Jesus in our own lives? Do we really not think that we've turned on him for our own personal gain? And yet we read about Judas and we scoff at the very mention of his name. We're so detached from what we're reading. And the only way that we can begin to really see truth and revelation within is by knocking down that barrier. It's by breaking down that wall, by realizing, hey, all of the horrific mistakes that we read about, the continuous shortcomings, the improbable victories, all of it, every single bit is us. And so over the next seven weeks, we want to approach these topics just with a new mindset. You know, we, 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 we want to approach this with a perspective that maybe we've never tapped into before. And in turn, open up a new way to approach God's word that doesn't just inform us, but that truly changes us. That truly changes the way we see things, changes the way we understand things, and ultimately changes the way in which we live our lives. Sound good? Let's pray before we get into this. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to be in your house today, to be able to feel your presence to be able to worship you freely. What an honor that is. We want you to know that we are your children today, available, willing to hear whatever it is that you wanna speak into our hearts. And in turn, I pray that you would penetrate through the distractions. I pray that you would penetrate through any sort of unbelief in our hearts so that you can give us truth and revelation for our good and for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, to get us off and running today, we are going to turn way back into the early portion of the biblical narrative. So if you have your Bibles, or maybe you have your YouVersion app available, uh, you can turn to the book of Exodus, which is where we're going to be hanging out for the most part today. And so for week one of our series here, 
Uh, and the first subjects that we want to dig into and, and unwrap today are the lives and the experiences of the Israelites. The lives and the experiences of the Israelites. This is the first subject that we want to unwrap and ultimately determine how exactly we fit into the story. Now, the Israelite journey is um, really one that takes us through much of the Old Testament, right? Uh, It takes us through the various lines of leadership that are formed early on. Uh, It takes us through the lives of some of the game changers throughout history. Uh, It takes us through their many battles and their many wars, ultimately leading us to the prophets. But what I really wanna dig into today is the initial gathering and jumping off point of the Israelite journey. Uh, Much like we see with the TV show, so much of what happens at the end of the story is ultimately shaped by how it gets started. And so that's what I want to unpack today. Now, the beginning of the Israelite story um, has many different twists and turns that we follow along with. It's uh, really quite a, a complex story that I would say starts with a man by the name of Joseph. Now, Joseph was one of the 12 sons of Israel and was really the entry point for their family being able to come into the land of Egypt. Now, once their family came to Egypt, they experienced an immense amount of growth and increase. And I mean an immense amount. Over about 300 years, they went from a family of 70 to a family of hundreds of thousands of people. 300 years from 70 to hundreds of thousands. And because of this growth, the leaders in Egypt started to get a little concerned. They're looking around and they're seeing the ratio between Egyptians and Israelites, not exactly where they want it to be. And so finally they decide we have to do something about this in order to ensure that we remain in control of our land. Now, this is where the story gets a little bit crazy because long story short, that would lead to hundreds of years of slavery and oppression. That would lead to a very improbable story of freedom and deliverance, which would lead to 40 years of wandering in the desert and then ultimately take them to their final destination, which was the promised land of Israel. A a crazy, windy road that they had to travel down but one that that is a little bit more significant than we might initially think. Now let's hit pause on that for a second because here's where I want to start. This is the first thing that we need to understand about the Israelites. We need to lay this out as a foundation first and foremost. And that is above and beyond anything else, this was a group of people who were chosen by God. This was a truly set apart elect group of people that God chose to accomplish his purpose. This is what we read in Deuteronomy 7, verse six. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. So this was a designated group God chose and ultimately used to accomplish his purpose. So listen, this wasn't a family line that just randomly came about or just happened to take up prominence at this point in history. This is a God-chosen group of people that were gonna carry out his plan. Now, initially, that might not be something that you immediately attach to. Again, that might not be something that you would connect to right out of the gate, but again, Let's use this opportunity to push into the text a little bit 
Because while the Israelites may have been the chosen people in the old covenant, we see something very interesting about God's children in the new covenant. This is what we read in Ephesians chapter one, verse three. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Second Thessalonians chapter two. But we should always give thanks to God for you because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation. The first time that our eyes are open and we begin to see ourselves in the Israelites is when we see the chosen nature of who they are. That's when we begin to make that connection. Now, again, that may not elicit much of a response from you initially, but here's what you really need to understand about this concept. That ultimately means that as a child of God, you hold an unbelievably special designation. And the only reason you hold that designation is because of God's grace. That's it. That that is the only reason you didn't deserve to be chosen by him. It's not like you've done anything to to earn that or be worthy of that honor. And yet through his amazing grace, he's chosen you. Now, if you really understood the special nature of that concept, like if you really understood despite everything that you've done and you know yourself better than anybody, despite it all, God handpicked you to be his child. Now, can you imagine what your life would actually look like if you really comprehended that? How much he really loves you? How much he cares about you? How unique you are to him? What exactly would be the appropriate response to that? And this is where we ultimately find ourselves in the story of the Israelites. The real heart of the Israelites story takes us back to about 1200 BC, where the people of Israel are now in the middle of enduring hundreds and hundreds of years of slavery and oppression. Hundreds of years, they have gone through it. And at this point in their history, they are desperate for an answer. I mean, they are desperate for a resolution to take place. And so from Exodus 12 to chapter 14, we finally begin to see the story starting to shift in their favor. And scripture records the most impactful moments that take them from a life of slavery to a life of freedom, a life of bondage to a life of anointing. But through these few chapters and through this vast transformation that we see, there are three particular things that continue to pop up. Um, There are three things that that really ultimately caused their liberation. And that's what I wanna talk about today. So let's go ahead and jump into this and see what we can learn from it. The first idea that surfaces around the Exodus story, which brings us into alignment with the people of Israel, is the idea of a deliverer. The idea of a deliverer. Now, much earlier in the Exodus narrative, this is before they are freed, this is before they inhabit the promised land, we see um, a, a young man begin to surface who has quite a unique story. And his name was Moses. Now, Moses was born an Israelite. So he was born into the family line during this time of great oppression and slavery. And from the beginning, 
he had to overcome amazing odds to ultimately become who he became. He should have been killed at birth. Um, He should have been rejected by the Egyptian woman. He, He should have been charged a murderer. And yet, despite all of this, God still has an unbelievable plan for his life. And that plan gets revealed in this conversation in Exodus chapter three. This is what God says to Moses. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore come now and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. He's gonna send somebody to deliver the people. Now, here's the catch. This is what we need to understand about Moses. This is not necessarily the the guy that you would expect to be picked as a leader. Uh, Moses was not a a particularly intimidating man. He actually had a pretty significant speech impediment uh, of which he was uh, self-conscious about, to say the least. Just wasn't the type of guy that you would think would be handpicked to lead an entire people group. Just didn't seem to make sense. And yet, this is what scripture says about him hundreds of years later in the book of Acts, chapter seven. This Moses, whom they disowned, saying, who made you a ruler and a judge, is the one whom God sent to be both a ruler and a deliverer. Is the one whom God sent to be both a ruler and a deliverer. So catch this. In the midst of their captivity, God sends a deliverer to take his people out of bondage. Not sure if you're making the connection, but let me read from Galatians chapter four as this applies to us. It says, but when the right time came, God sent his son into the world to pay for the freedom of those who were controlled by these laws. So you are no longer slaves, but God's children. You are no longer slaves, but you are God's children. Just as the Israelites received a God sent deliverer, so we received the same. Through the sending of his son, we can receive freedom from bondage. We can receive freedom from shame through our deliverer, Jesus Christ. He's the one that sets us free. And here's the even better news as it relates to us. That means our deliverer is even greater, right? Our deliverer is even better. As much as God did use Moses to free the people of Israel, in no way can he possibly compare to our deliverer. In fact, Hebrews 3 says that very thing. It says, for he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house itself. In other words, you can't compare the creator to the creation. You can't make a comparison there. And so we may rightly revere Moses for being a great man of God, but in no way does he compare to the creator himself who in the midst of our sin, delivered us from bondage. This is us. This is our story. Each one of us have experienced spiritually what the people of Israel had to go through. In bondage, no hope of a way out, in desperate need of a resolution. And God sends a deliverer, and his name is Jesus. He is our savior. He is our deliverer. And without him, we are nothing. We are nothing. Let's move into the second point today. Because in the Israelite journey, not only do we see a deliverer,
but we also see a helper. We also see a helper. Now, this is where we see some of the specifics around how Moses delivers the people from Egypt. And we see three things that are coming about through this deliverance. So we see negotiations taking place. We see plagues hitting the land. And we see a helper coming into play. Negotiations, plagues, and a helper. Now, after these negotiations between Pharaoh and Moses... And after 10 different plagues hit the land, um, varying from boils to locusts to darkness, after all of this, finally Pharaoh loosens his grip just a little bit on the people of Israel. And after hundreds of years of power and control over these people, he finally agrees to free them. Now, can you imagine after being in slavery and in oppression for hundreds of years, how quickly the Israelites got out of Egypt? Can you imagine how quickly they would gather their things and, and, and set off for their own journey? With a quickness, they take that step. But I want you to realize what shows up on the scene as soon as this new journey is embarked upon. We pick up in Exodus 13, verse 21. It says, The Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way, and in a pillar of fire by night, to give them light. Now catch this, this is so very important. As soon as they are released into freedom, we see a helper show up on the scene that leads and guides his people. Now, unfortunately, the story isn't over because as Moses is in the midst of delivering the people, as a helper now shows up on the scene, Pharaoh has a change of heart. Um, he suddenly begins to realize, you know, letting all of these workers and laborers just freely walk away um, is, is not really the deal that I want. That's not really going to help me all that much. And so he gets his army ready. He prepares the chariots and he sends them out to recapture what was previously his. But I want you to see a very interesting event that is ultimately what leads to their victory. They now have Egyptians at their back. They've now stumbled upon a roadblock in front by the Red Sea. And this is what happens next. The pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel. Thus, the one did not come near the other all night. The one did not come near the other all night. In the midst of their salvation... The helper has now moved from guiding them to protecting them. While Moses is delivering the people, the helper is guiding and protecting. Now check out what we read in the New Testament in John chapter 14. Listen closely to the very words of Jesus as he shows us how this relates to us. He says, I will ask the father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is given to us as our helper. And what does scripture show as his function? To lead, to guide, and to protect. To lead us, to guide us, and to protect us. Romans chapter eight says, for all who are being led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. John 16, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Ephesians one, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Just as the Israelites receive a helper to guide and protect through their journey, so we receive the Spirit to guide and protect us through ours. 
I want you to, to really grasp this. In the midst of their captivity, in the midst of their oppression, where there's, there's no way out, they have no hope. This has been hundreds of years. They need a deliverer and they need a helper. And there's one more thing that we see enter the picture. The final idea that we see rolled out is the idea of a baptism. The idea of a baptism. Now, if we pick back up in our story, we left off with the Israelites stumbling upon the Red Sea in front of them. Now a pillar of cloud is all that separates them from the Egyptian army behind them. And what we see next in scripture is is truly one of the most unbelievable things that scripture has to provide. It's it's something that goes against the laws of nature, goes against the laws of, of logic. And frankly, as a result, many people reject it even as reality. And yet it's such an important moment for the people of Israel as they're about to be delivered into freedom. Exodus 14, 21, this is where we pick up. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord swept back the sea by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land. So the waters were divided. The sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea on the dry land and the waters were like a wall to them on their right and on their left. The waters were like a wall to them on their right and on their left. In absolute miraculous fashion. I mean, something that I can't even fathom. God wipes back the waters. He divides the sea and his people make their way down into the depths of the seafloor. Now, what scripture shows us next is that as they are inexplicably walking through the depths of the sea, the Egyptian army doesn't flinch. Immediately, they get their stuff ready and they head out in pursuit of these people once again. But this is what we go on to read. As the hundreds of thousands of Israelites now make their way safely to the other side, as they're standing on new ground, this is what verse 27 tells us. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its normal state at daybreak while the Egyptians were fleeing right into it. Then the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. So catch this, in the midst of the sea, the Israelites now watch as the people that beat them, the people that enslaved them, the people that oppressed them are now washed away as they stand safely on new ground. See, the story couldn't possibly be complete until their captors had officially been washed away for good because no longer did they have to look back over their shoulders to determine if another enemy was behind them. They were destroyed, they were demolished, they were done. And now a life of freedom was before them. Here's what we take from this. Colossians chapter two, verse 12. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God. Now I love this verse because it ties so beautifully to what we just read. And the reason I love is because it says you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God. Now, have you ever thought about how much trust it took for the Israelite people to walk through that sea? You ever thought about the faith that it took to trust that those waters wouldn't just come crashing over them or that the Egyptians would just follow them right through to the other side? Took amazing faith. And in the same way, we are buried and raised to life through faith by way of baptism. 
We are immersed in God's power, our past drowning in the waters behind us, and we are raised to new life safely on the other side. Catch this, a life free of sin, a life that is new in power, and a life that is dedicated to our Savior, a deliverer, a helper, and a baptism. This isn't just the Israelite story. This is us. Can you stand with me? I want to read you one last scripture today that um, I really think does such a great job of encompassing what we've been talking about and really shows, honestly, the beautiful nature of God's word where it just brings everything together so powerfully. Now, this verse comes about hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years after this event that we read about. Uh, it comes well after Jesus's death and resurrection even. And this is where we pick up in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the apostle Paul says this, for I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Into Moses, their deliverer, in the cloud, their helper, and in the sea, their baptism. All throughout the course of God's plan for his people, we see the same themes, we see the same answers being provided. We just continue to see God rolling out a path for us to receive freedom. He just continues to make a way. And so this is where I want to end today. And, and I really want you to focus in on this. I want you to lean into this as best you can. Listen, if, if, if you feel like you might just be in bondage today, like spiritually, you just, you feel like you're tied up, like you can't move, like you, you can't progress. And I don't care if it's your first time at church or if you've been coming for years on end. If you feel like you're in bondage today, it's time to lean into God's plan for your freedom. The Bible tells us that God sent his son into the world so that through his death and resurrection, we could be delivered. Romans 10 says this, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And the last promise that we see that we read earlier says, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. As a true child of God, you are chosen, you have been delivered and a helper is available, but you must first believe you must first truly submit your life to him. Now, I don't know what your past looks like. I don't know what journey you've taken, but I do know this. God has made a pathway to freedom. He's rolled out a plan for you. And all you have to do is give yourself to Jesus. Can you just bow your heads with me? Lord, we love you so much. We're so grateful for everything that you've done for us. We're so grateful that in the midst of our despair, in the middle of our bondage and oppression, 
you made a way. 